Hey, thanks for tuning in to Cross Defense. Today we're talking about baptism. We're answering a listener's question regarding whether he was actually saved when he was baptized as an infant. We're going to be comparing the Reformed teaching, the Lutheran teaching, and get, taking it all back to Scripture, reminding all of us that we are saved not by our works, but by Christ's works. Praise be to Jesus. All that is coming up right now on Cross Defense. Welcome to Cross Defense, my friends. This is the show where we aim to equip the mind, excite the imagination, and comfort the soul, all with God's Word. I'm your host, Reverend Tyrell Bramwell, the pastor of a bunch of faithful Christians unashamed of the gospel. That would be St. Mark Lutheran Church out here in Ferndale, California. We are as far west as you can go in the lower 48 before you take a dip in the ocean. Well, all right, so as we have water on our brain, today we're talking about baptism because we got this question from a listener. Let's get right into the show, my friends. Hello, sir. I'm 26 years old, and I was baptized as an infant in the Lutheran Church. However, in recent times, I have experienced an unsettling crisis of faith, and I am questioning whether I was ever truly saved. Oh, man, this is a horrible thing to think about. I could tell you that my upbringing was by no means a rebellion under derelict parents, and this is not a judgment of them, but I know that my upbringing and the way I was living my life was not reflecting or bearing the true fruit of a regenerate believer. We went to church, I got confirmed, but looking back, there was so much of just going through the motions while living a very self-centered, worldly life, as I fear many others have as well. Yeah, that's a problem in our American contemporary culture. That is so true. My sins get worse, he says, and worse as I grew older and went through college and into my recent life. So he's 26. I'd say you've been out of college just a few years, right? Five years or so. Drugs, drinking, sexual sins, horrible language, idolizing money. I need not exhaust you. In the past few months, I've been hearing the word of the Lord preached through many well-known preachers of the Reformed traditions. It was through these messages that I truly began to feel the gravity of my sins, my need for a Savior, and the need to repent and turn away to the, of the, from those sins. Excuse me, And I guess all of them, for that matter. I hate them. I hate that I did them. Yeah, you sound like Paul, my friend. It has been a very distressing, depressing time, both for myself and for my loved ones. Personally, reflecting on my past, meditating on the Word, and Researching the differing theological stances of the various Reformed churches slash traditions has led me to question whether there was any validity to my infant baptism. Oh, no. No, don't do it, my friend. By all definitions, I don't think I would have called myself a true believer. I've been looking around my community, attending several Lutheran churches, and now a Baptist church in an effort to find a good congregation with solid theology and law, gospel, preaching. My questions still remain. Was there any validity to my baptism to begin with? Yes, there was. Short answer. Would it be appropriate to pursue membership, more committed education slash catechesis, and baptism as an adult, a new convert, but you're not a new convert, within a new church? Would the issue of rebaptism, or I guess 
actual baptism for the first quote-unquote real time be one that comes down to conscience. I fear that going with either decision, either holding fast to infant or being baptized as an adult, may be willfully disobeying because, one, I would not be trusting in the promises given in infant baptism, true, therefore disobeying by pursuing believer's baptism, or two, I hold to my infant baptism but end up being told, depart from me, because I did not obey the command to repent and be baptized. I thank you for your counsel, God's peace. Well, to the very end there, just again, real short answer, we're going to spend the whole show talking about this, but short answer, that's a demonic lie to think that now that you're taking your faith seriously, that you have to repent and be baptized. You've already been baptized, so repent and live in your baptism. See, this is a mis- misnomer because baptism is not a one-day event, just like your life is not a one-day event. Think about this. You're alive right now. Each and every one of us are alive right now. We are living in our birthdays every single second that we breathe. Sure, we, we mark our birthdays annually as the time rolls around, an anniversary of our birthday, but really Every single day you're alive is a celebration of your birthday because it is a celebration that you are still alive, right? And that is the case even if you go through a season of of not taking care of your body, of neglecting your health, of of not living up to the life that you've been given, just kind of being lazy and lazy and lethargic and all these kind of things. It doesn't make invalid that you are alive. You're still alive. You're just not living well, but you're still alive. Same is true for baptism. You have already been baptized. Just because you did not sprout out, sprout up and grow up and, and hold this extremely pious, well-lived Christian life every single day of your, your, your Christianity since you've been baptized into Christ doesn't mean you're not a Christian. It doesn't mean you weren't baptized, weren't born again from the Father, John 3 style, as Jesus teaches us, born again, born anew, born from above is what that language is. And just as you were born from your mother biologically once, you're born from your father once. Some may be born and are off to the races. Looks like that sapling is just go, 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 and it's great. Well, other seeds take a little longer to germinate. They take a little longer to sprout up and grow. Other seeds are a little weaker in the beginning. But that doesn't mean they're still not alive. You're alive, brother. So repent and be baptized. Do not fear. You will not hear the Lord say, depart from me. That is the demonic lie right there. That if you hold to your infant baptism, you are somehow gambling with your eternal salvation. Uh Uh-uh. Nope. Because you have obeyed the command. You are repentant of your sin that you can identify. And you have been baptized. And today and tomorrow and every day of your life, you are going to repent of your sin and live in your baptismal grace. There is no need to be rebaptized. If, if that was the case, then the next time you go through a season of not living as the Christian you are and you ought to be, you would need to be rebaptized again and again. And again, are you going to call yourself a new convert every single time? No, no. One baptism, 
one birth. Okay, so here's the longer answer. Brother, someone has bewitched you. And you tell us exactly who that was, the Reformed celebrity preachers, those well-known preachers of the Reformed tradition. Now, you didn't say what ignited your crisis of faith, but something did. What teaching, what teacher made you question your salvation freely given in Jesus Christ? I am so glad you heard the law, and I am so glad that you want to be done with your sin. Praise be to Jesus. But in the midst of that, in the mix of that, you also were encouraged to doubt the gospel. The law did its job, but there was a, a mix-up with the gospel. It's poison, friend. Whatever teacher you're listening to, the, all of those Reformed teachers, poison. That you're concerned about your salvation is in itself evidence of the efficacy of your baptism, of your faith, of the fact that you will not hear, depart from me on the last day. No, you are one of the wise virgins, not the foolish ones. Okay, so you weren't raised in the most Christian of households. All right. And you didn't live as a Christian ought to live through your teenage and college years or even in the last five years after college? Okay. You do know that's the case. Look at that. You said so in your email. You recognize your unrepentant lifestyle. You recognize your worldly lifestyle. You recognize the sins you were committing. And how do you recognize them? How do you know them? Because you've been saved by God. Because you have eyes to see and ears to hear. You've been set apart from the world. And you have begun to live as the new man you were made to be in the waters of holy baptism. As the Holy Spirit worked faith in your heart. The watery word giving you life. Praise be to God. Praise the Lord. You see the truth, my friend. I mean, I know that it's awful to think on your sins. It's awful to consider them. But dude, you see them for what they are. That is evidence of something great in your heart. Why doubt the gift that God has given you? You have the eyes to see your sin so that you can repent and live in your lifelong baptism the consummation of your baptism, the culmination of your baptismal life will come to an end in death. There is no need to be rebaptized. You are a child of God living that out. And you recognize you went through a valley of, of sinfulness. Repent and live, trusting in Jesus. My friend, another part of this, I hope you see, is that you're focused on you, on your works. And that's not the measure of baptismal efficacy at all. God, God is the doer in baptism, in your baptism, not you. God. Salvation is not dependent upon ties living a sinless 
life. You're living a sinless life after your baptism. Listen to Paul's words right here in Romans 7, 21 to 25. If you want to turn there, go ahead and turn there with me. Romans 7, 21 to 25. This sounds like what you were saying up above. Can you hear yourself in the text? So I find it to be a law, Paul says, that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God, in my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? That's the question. And here's the answer. Verse 25, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Not through you, not through me, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He is the man who will rescue him. You, me, Paul, from death. So then I myself serve the law of God, Paul says, with my mind. But with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. See, buddy, Jesus is the Savior of the sinner. Jesus is your Savior. You've begun to look at your, your life as a Christian through the lens of your works. And even your past works. And you're seeing that they were awful. Yes, they were. But you're seeing them through the fallacy of justitia civilis. I can never say it. It's civil righteousness. I was trying to use the Latin and sound all kinds of smart, but that's the language. Civil righteousness. You're seeing them through external things. And that's not the measure of baptism. Not at all. Let's see if we can say that word again. Justitia civilis. Okay, so we're not Latin scholars up in here, but Isaiah 64, 6 says, you, me, all of us are unclean and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. Notice something here. This, this verse amplifies, should amplify your despair, just for a moment. I mean, I know you're already distressed and despairing. You said so. You're depressed about it, and you've done horrible things that have burdened you and your family. Get it. But I'll, let me amplify your distress for just a bit a bit more here. I know this is, this is ridiculous, but this is how a surgeon fixes things, right? Think about this for a second. We're going to get worse before we get better. So you go into the doctor. He's going to do surgery on your ailing member whatever that may be, going to fix your broken leg. Well, he's got to cut you open to do it. So now not only do you have a broken leg, but you have a giant gaping wound in your flesh so that he can get to your leg, to the bone, right? So let me do that right now. Let me cut open the flesh so we can get in there, open you up, and then stitch you back together. Bring healing. You think you might not have been saved because your bad deeds are bad. Okay. Well, brother, based on you, your works, if it's about your merit, your goodness, even what you would identify in your past as good behavior, based on you, not on Jesus, 
those good things, your righteous deeds, they're a bloody tampon, dude. They're a woman's minstrel rag. That's the reality from Isaiah 64, 6. A polluted garment. That's what it's talking about. Bloody, full of death. That punches, doesn't it? That cuts open. Not just your bad deeds. Your good ones. If we're measuring things based on externals, civil righteousness, we'll give it one more try. Justitia civilis. I tried to say it faster, but it still didn't work. If we're measuring based on that, we're all up a creek because every single one of us is a discharge of life. That is, we are dead. That's the reality based on our external works, be they righteous or unrighteous. But you, dear sir, you are baptized. You were taught the word. You were confirmed. So you went through the scriptures. You learned both the law and the gospel. And you received communion to know that you are forgiven of your sins to have certainty. And now, dear sir, now, my friend, you are here today with spiritual eyes, discerning spiritual things, concerned about your salvation in Christ Jesus. Why? Because you believe in Jesus as your Savior. Of course you're horrified to think on the abysmal witness that you had as a disciple previously. Great, you should be. That's a good thing. Don't let that drive you into despair. It's a good thing. Don't you see, man? You have faith. You have the faith that began in you in baptism. You're bearing true fruit at this very moment. Let's take a, right, a quick little break. We'll be right back after this to continue our conversation, and I hope to comfort your soul as we equip your mind in the solid, firm doctrine of baptism. We'll be right back. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Put this wisdom of God into practice by listening to Sharper Iron on KFUO. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple, and faithful pastors from around the world help sharpen my faith in Christ every episode. I know you'll be blessed by listening and studying God's Word with us. Listen to Sharper Iron weekdays at 8 a.m. on KFUO and on demand at KFUO.org, the KFUO radio app, and anywhere you get your podcasts. We're back with more cross defense. What does it say in Titus 3, verses 5 and 6? He, that is Jesus, saved us. I didn't save me. You didn't save you. Jesus saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly, through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Who's doing all the activity in this verse, these verses? Jesus. Who's receiving it all? 
we are. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, because they would be nothing more than polluted garments, but according to his own mercy. Mm, mm, mm. You're going to continue to mature in your faith, my friend. You're 26 years old. And as you do, you're going to learn just how sinful you are even right now. You think you're not sinning at the moment. Well, I bet you are. I mean, hearing your words, I, I bet you already have that perspective of knowing you're a sinner right this second. But you're seeing yourself through the lens of works, and so you're saying, well, I'm not as bad a sinner as I used to be. Wrong. You're still a poor, miserable sinner right now. And in 10 years from now, you might say, I was not bearing true fruit back then when I was 26. But then again, that's only based on works, the external things. But before you, you knew the aspect of God's law, before it punched you in the face as you were listening to those popular preachers, you thought you were okay. You weren't really living it. But brother... Being a sinner at 26, 16, 36, 76 doesn't invalidate God's promise given to you in his word and sacrament. Not at all. God has given you grace. He, God looked down at you from outside of time. And in the fullness of time, Christ Jesus came in the fullness of time. He died for you knowing full well you're a sinner. While we were still enemies with Christ, he died for us. It has nothing to do with your chronological merits and growth. That's not how justification works. You were saved by mercy, favor, because of God's love for you. Not because of your, your works righteousness. Okay, so now you said that in the past few months you've been hearing the word of, of the Lord, praise be to God, preached through these many well-known preachers of the Reformed traditions. I want to say that one more time. Praise be to the Lord, to God, that these preachers of the law delivered the law to wake you from your stupor. That is great. And that is God working. Now, my advice to you, sir, my friend, brother in arms, Turn those guys off. Turn them off right now. Their usefulness to you has run its course. Get into your confessional Lutheran church so that you can hear the gospel. I asked who, be, who bewitched you using Galatians 3 language, right? I asked you who bewitched you rhetorically. You told us who it, who it was. Who You mentioned who's leading you astray. Personally, reflecting on my past, you said, meditating on the word and researching the differing theological stances of the various Reformed churches slash traditions has led you, you said, to question whether there was any validity to your infant baptism. By all definitions, I don't think I would have called myself a true believer, you said. And I say false. It's just because you're drinking from a bitter pool. You've dipped your ladle into a poison well as you've researched the, the tra traditions, the man-made teachings of the Reformed Church. Get back to the fresh water. 
spend the time that you've been dedicating to looking into the Reformed teachings. Now you know a lot about it. Great. Now spend that time looking into the Lutheran teachings. And my friend, you will be freed from the false definitions that let the devil convince you that you weren't or you aren't a true believer. That's what's happened. Satan used this man-made teaching to twist you up, to tie you up in a knot. And you will quickly see that there is no need to be rebaptized. There is no need to fear that at the last day, when you finally meet your maker, he's going to say, depart from me. I did not know you. You will learn that that is a satanic lie meant to drive you into despair, just as it has done. So quit drinking from that bitter pool. Quit it. When it comes to the topic of salvation, the man-made doctrines of the reformed churches various traditions, they create doubt. The Reformed view of salvation is one that is void of certainty. How is that? Well, because according to them, salvation is given only to those whom God has pre-chosen, which leaves us to wonder, am I one of those? Are you one of those? Who knows? How do we know? So listen to the difference between the Westminster Confession of Faith, representing the Reformed traditions, and the Formula of Concord, representing the confessional Lutheran tradition, regarding the gospel of Jesus Christ. And let's figure out which one sounds more biblical and gives more gospel assurance to the contrite heart. So these are the Reformed and the Lutheran Confessions. Here we go. Westminster says, God did from all eternity decree to justify all the elect, and Christ did in the fullness of time die for their sins and rise again for their justification. Nevertheless, they are not justified until the Holy Spirit doth in due time actually apply Christ unto them. Nevertheless... Did you catch that? (laughs) That's one gigantic but that undoes the certainty of the gospel. God did from all eternity decree to justify all the elect. Awesome! And Christ did in the fullness of time die for their sins. Great! And he rose again for their justification. Hallelujah! Nevertheless... They are not justified, oh no, until the Holy Spirit doth in due time actually apply Christ unto them. Well, has that happened? I don't know if that's happened. Has that happened? I'm not sure. Now, here's what the formula of Concord confesses about the gospel. The gospel is properly the kind of teaching that shows what a person who has not kept the law and therefore is condemned by it is to believe. It teaches that Christ has paid for and made satisfaction for all sins. Christ has gained and acquired for an individual, without any of his own merit, forgiveness of sins. Righteousness that avails before God and eternal life. What do you notice? Well, for one major thing, there are no ifs, ands, or buts in that statement of faith. It is purely just the gospel for all sins, for the individual. That's for you. That's for you. You are saved. Romans 5 
doesn't back up a view of justification that includes a caveat. Romans 5 backs up a view of justification, or in fact, is the foundation, is the right way to say that, of the Lutheran view of justification that is freely given and certain. Certain. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For you. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to even die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. He will not say, depart from you, my friend. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Therefore, Just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came into 
in to increase the trespass. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Hmm. You said well-known preachers. Am I right to assume you're listening to these guys online? They're burdening you. These guys are burdening you with the law. Brother, they're not providing you with the truth of the gospel. That's why I told you to turn them off. They're useless. They've run their course. Their, their value to, to you is over. And this will ultimately continue, you being burdened by the law, if you continue to listen to them because of their misunderstanding of justification and sanctification and other things. They've muddled up your understanding of how to understand your works and Christ's work of saving you. They've muddled up your understanding of true fruit, of what it means to be a new man in Christ. You mentioned that you don't see the true fruit of your being a new man in Christ, which is causing you to question whether you've been justified by Christ. Well, Titus 3.5 again, right? That speaks to that. But let's, let's go there, and let's not just start at Titus 3.5. Let's start at 2.11 and go all the way to 3.8. And as we do, I want to ask you, what do you see here? You see the proper distinction between justification and sanctification, which the Reformed do not have, as you heard from the Westminster Confession. There's a blurring of those two, but not so in Titus, starting at chapter 2, verse 11, we read, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled upright and godly lives in the present age, which is what you're after, right? Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works as you are. Declare these things, Paul says. Exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. How many of us are doing these things perfectly? For we ourselves were once foolish disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured on us 
out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life, justified by his grace. Verse 8, the saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things, so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. Let's pause right there, and when we get back, we'll uh, unpack this a little bit. You're listening to Cross Defense, and we have one more segment to go, so don't go away. Hello, friends. I'm Pastor Phil Boo, host of Thy Strong Word. Each weekday morning at 11 a.m., join me and a guest pastor as we explore God's Word, which strengthens our faith and guides our lives. You can listen over the air, online at kfuo.org, or through your favorite podcasting app. Just search for Thy Strong Word, only from KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. See, when we let Scripture speak for itself, we see an ordering of justification and sanctification that unties the knot that these celebrity reformed preachers tied in your heart. Now, this doesn't mean we can't make confessions of faith, and indeed we, we must now. There are so many different uh, versions of Christianity out there that, that it's necessary to put down in writing, in agreement with others that we're in fellowship with, what it is we believe according to Scripture, to base our thoughts and views and confession to the world, to base that on the Bible. So we have to put it in terms that distinguish us from others and all that kind of stuff. So to do that, though, we must always base our understanding on what God's Word says and only say what it says and not try to connect dots that aren't there. And that's the problem the Reformed gets into. That's the problem John Calvin, all these kind of guys, they are trying to connect dots that are not always meant to be connected. Now, sometimes you can connect dots because they're the, the you see the line in Scripture. That dot, this line, that dot, boom. But other times, they're seeing dot, 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 and they're like, hmm, I don't like the tension this creates in my mind, so I'm going to make a, a constellation out of these dots, I'm gonna, out of these stars, right? I'm going to connect the dot, and I'm going to make up an image. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to create a drawing out of these dots. And, and Scripture's saying, uh-uh, no, you don't get to do that. So, in the Apology, in the Book of Concord, the Apology of the Lutherans, our Lutheran ancestors confessed that love and works must also follow faith. So we say the same thing. Your, your works, your, your fruit bearing does follow faith. Therefore, they are not excluded so that they do not follow faith. We leave them in there. They do follow faith. But, and listen to this, confidence in the merit of love or works is excluded in justification. Your love, your works are not the things that justify you before God. Christ's love and Christ's works do that. You believe that, and from that flow, your works, your love. Your confidence in your salvation is not in the merit of yours, your merits, brother. It's good that you hate your sins. Praise be to Jesus that he died for them. So it's good that you hate your sins. 
praise be to Jesus, that he died for them. Because you can't do anything to atone for them. You can't redeem yourself. You can't climb yourself up to heaven from this fallen place of sin that we live in. We need Jesus for that. Having heard the word of God, believing, receiving his gifts, trusting in him, not you, you can be certain that on the last day he will not say, depart from me, but will welcome you in. Saying, because he sees Jesus, when he sees you, well done, good and faithful servant. You are in Christ. It is his fruit that matters. So if, as you said, you're looking for a solid church with law, gospel, preaching, dude, you're going to be hard-pressed to find that in a Baptist church. I'm sorry to say. And I, I say that objectively. I once was in a, well, a Baptist in denial church, <laughs> non-denominational. I came out of that tradition. I also uh, have dear family who are still in that tradition. I, I do not say this flippantly. I do not say this to be offensive. Many people here at St. Mark, we, we joke that there was a time one of our dear ladies said she was afraid to say, to tell anybody that she grew up in a Baptist church, she would say. Well, come to find out. There's a lot of former Baptists in our church. <laughs> and as we're growing and more and more people are, are gathering around God's word here, uh, we're finding that a lot of them had some Baptist background. And others have that Presbyterian background. A lot of Reformed people are coming here and, and others as well. So uh, you're not going to really find it. The clear distinction between law and gospel, you're not going to find that among the Baptist church. Unless... There's some sort of fluke, okay? But as a rule, you're going to be hard-pressed to find it there. You said you've already been attending some Lutheran churches. Go back there. Hey, if you can't find a Lutheran church that's preaching truth, I mean, because every pastor could be messing this up, you can always move out to Ferndale and attend here, and uh, we'll give you a you know, solid law gospel distinction every, every single Sunday. <laughs> uh, but that might be a, a tall order for you. So, see, Baptists struggle with the proper distinction between law and gospel. They tend to be law-heavy. Same with the Catholics, right? So you'd be, you'd be really interested to see, if you, if you want to do this comparison, how both on the, on the Catholicism side and coming out of the more radical reformers that give us the Baptists and all the other, all the other Protestants out there, uh, you're going to find both of them are in the law lane. You might think the Protestants have more of the gospel, and they should, except for they go so far that they end up back in the law lane. They, they kind of circumnavigate the globe, and they end up right where the Catholics were when the Reformation started. This is why, as Lutherans, we stop short of going where they went, because they were going back into the law. This is what Paul is dealing with in Galatians, where he says that language of who bewitched you. You were running freely. Someone put you back under the yoke of slavery. And this is the problem that happened. Christians, sure. Yes, I know. I'm not. I don't. Hopefully, I'm not offending anyone. But uh, there's a struggle there. There's a struggle to receive the gospel freely. They want to go back under the slavery to law. So you'll definitely find law, and and you won't. You'll just be simply cut open. 
Like I mentioned before, you know, you're already broken. You're, you're a sinner. We're all broken. And, and then the, the law will cut you open. You'll be on that surgeon's table, but no one will ever be there to stitch you back up. You'll be just left with these gaping holes of law, seeing your sin with no remedy for it, no, no sutures mending you. You want to be stitched back up. So your Lutheran churches will give you that gospel that you're hungry for. Well, assuming that they're not ELCA Lutheran Church. I mean, you, didn't really, you actually didn't specify what type of denomination. I'm assuming Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. I guess I shouldn't make that assumption. So if you're talking ELCA Lutheran churches, dude, yeah, just pack your bags and move out to Ferndale. We got you covered. Or find a Missouri Synod Lutheran Church. A confessional Missouri Synod Lutheran Church will give you the law gospel preaching you're so hungry for. So in summary, yes, your baptism... Your baptism was valid, buddy. It was valid to begin with. To go back and, and be rebaptized, you're not doing anything for yourself. Okay, you lived a life of sin. You're young, 26. It's been a short life, dude. It's been a short life. But would you think it was rational to need to hit the reset button on your biological life? Taking the spiritual side away for a second, just focusing on your, you know, your matter and you're breathing and you're living as a, as a human being. Now that you recognize you didn't live properly in the past, that maybe you, you, uh, shamed your family. Do you think that you need to start over? Do you need to be reborn by in the biological sense, not the baptism sense? See, but the same is true for baptism. Why do you think you need to start over? There isn't a reset button. One baptism. One birth from your father above, just as you have one birth from your mother. So you were stupid. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you were a late bloomer in this whole maturity of Christianity thing, maturing in the faith, something like that. And don't bite off your nose despite your face, man. Don't. It's okay. Let these guys stop bewitching you. Your birth is lived out every day of your life. Same for your baptism. All that needs to happen is repentance because you've already been baptized. Go back to living in that baptism and you're good. You're great. Trust in Christ. It sounds like you've already done what needs to be doing. <laughs> That's really bad grammar, but you get the point. All right. Be in the word. Continue with catechesis. Receive the gifts of God. The preached word and communion are how you sustain your life as a baptized Christian. You've been born. Now you need to eat. You drink the milk. You eat the meat. You, you receive the body and blood of Christ. You were anemic before doesn't mean you need to be born again, starting over, I mean. It means you need to be fed. You need nutrients. You need sustenance to put on the, ma the mass, to put on the muscle. That's why Jesus established the preaching office for the baptized. That's why he instituted communion for the baptized. Partake of those gifts, man. Partake of those, and you're good. You're not going to hear, depart from me on judgment day. No rebaptism. You're not a man of works righteousness, but of Christ's righteousness. Your baptism is your real baptism. None of the quote stuff, none of the, the air quotes, my real baptism. No, take all that stuff, phooey. We're not dealing with that. You were baptized. Hear the gospel, brother. John 15, 3. Jesus is talking about bearing fruit and all the things you're worried about right there in John 15. And what does he say in 15, 3? Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Already. He's talking about bearing fruit and everything. He says, already, just from hearing the word, you're clean. Justification. So hang with that. You're good, my friend. You're good. 
He will not end up telling you, depart from me. Because you are repentant. And you have been baptized. Mark 16, 16. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. You believe. You're baptized. Christ's obedience is what saves you, dude. It's Galatians 5, right? Go there with me. Galatians 5. For freedom, Christ has set us free. So stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. So let's uh, adapt this slightly. So if you accept rebaptism, what are you doing? You're going, you're, you're turning baptism into a law, into a work. So if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. So don't turn baptism into a law thing. It is a gospel thing. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor un uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. It's satanic. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Paul says they talk about circumcision. Don't just snip the tip, but cut the whole thing off. He is so frustrated by people burdening Christians with law-based teachings. It's Jesus plus. So that's what this is, my friend. It's Jesus plus. Oh, better be rebaptized. It's Jesus plus. You weren't living quite right, so try again. It's Jesus plus. No. No. Christians, all of you, turn off the celebrity pastors. Turn them off. Turn off all your favorite YouTube theologians, your favorite podcasters. Yeah, even turn this off. Turn me off right now. I'm far from being a celebrity pastor. Turn off all the external influences that are coming in and leading you astray, returning you under the law. I hope that's not what this is doing. <laughs> But you understand what I'm trying to say. Go to church. Read the Bible. Study with your congregation, your family, your fellowship right there in your, in your locale. Study there with your pastor. All these super apostles, these well-known preachers, and there's hardly any of them in the Lutheran church, thanks be to God. They're dangerous. You don't need super apostles. It doesn't matter how many followers and likes they have or any of that stuff. They're hindering the truth. 
and they will trip you up. I do wish they would emasculate themselves. Stop telling people they have to be rebaptized. You unfaithful pastors. Stop making people feel like their salvation is not secure in Christ Jesus alone. Stop blending justification and sanctification and making a mess in people's hearts. But for you, my friend, who wrote this email, know that when your heart troubles you, God is bigger than your heart. All right. <laughs> oh, I could, I could let myself go on that one. That frustrates me. I feel Paul's frustration right there in Galatians 5. All right. So we have time for uh, maybe one more quick email. We're, we're wrapping that up. That, that's done. I hope that's helpful to you, brother. Thank you for the email. Thanks for, for giving me some of your attention. Now, uh, take what I've said and go to your pastor. Find a faithful, confessional Lutheran pastor. Be in the Word and quit listening to these, these online voices, including mine. All right? Okay. So this one is uh, from Ryan. Ryan writes, I was curious if you have any suggestions on a particular study that would help study the truth and empower men to act in accordance with God's will in the face of our hostile world and society. I appreciate your words weekly and pray you're able to continue to battle the world and shine as a beacon of light. Thanks for your consideration and God bless, Ryan. Well, Ryan, easy one, Man Up. That's the book by Reverend Jeffrey Hemmer. Read that book. It has... Uh, it's by CPH. I'm going to include links in the description below, the show notes and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but check that out. There's there's study questions in there. So even if you don't uh, you know, give the book to all the men, if you can read that and use those study questions to help you build that your, your own lo, you know, local Bible study, that'll be really helpful. Pastor Hemmer does a great job of doing exactly what you're looking for, uh, emboldening men to be able to face with God's, God's wisdom to face this hostile world. So Man Up by Reverend Jeffrey Hemmer, uh, published by Concordia Publishing House. That's my recommendation. And that's it for today, my friends. Thank you all for tuning in to Cross Defense. Godspeed, and may you rest easy in the truth of God's word. Jesus Christ is your Savior. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. And I'll talk to you next week. Cross Defense is a production of KFUO Radio. Find past episodes and support Cross Defense at KFUO.org.